And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. I want to tell you something. You are worthy and deserving a financial abundance, you are worthy and deserving of fulfilling all of your dreams. See, we're starting the show on a positive note because our featured guest is a legendary investor and he's going to share perspectives on where he sees the global economy going today and he's also going to share some insights on what you can do to attain financial abundance and how to fulfill your, your big dreams. He's a nice man, and he gets an assist on helping my son become part of this world. Let us begin tonight's show. It is a great honor to once again welcome back to the show Jim Rogers, Singapore-based business of American origin, brilliant investor. He's been on our show a few times before, and as you remember, back in 2017, he was it got me all excited about having a kid, and a uh, kid is here. And I figured if this man is right about commodities and gold in the markets. He's surely right about children. Jim, welcome back to our show. Thank you for being with us. Well, Ryan, I'm delighted to be here, and congratulations on the baby. You're going to have a lot of fun. Thank You'll you. See. I'm all excited. I'm all excited to learn and uh, to teach some lessons. So this is the last time we spoke. World's definitely dramatically changed a lot. And if you were to look at the U.S., like a corporation, which each of the states being employees, and you had to cut 15% of that workforce, which states would you fire based on their productivity and, and overall value to the U.S.? Which, sorry, which, which? Uh, which states would you fire based on their productivity and overall value to the U.S.? So if you had to look at the U.S. and the states like a, like a corporation. Which would, states? Which states of the 50 U.S. states? Yes. Well, I, you know, I, I've lived out of the states for a while now. Uh, but from what I read, things like New York have gigantic tax rates and huge deficits. I don't see how that can be good for productivity. I don't hear many companies moving to New York or New Jersey or even Connecticut or, or even California. From what I read, many people are getting out of California now because it is a very difficult and expensive and inefficient place to do business. So. You know, I mean, Illinois, I mean, you, I guess you know the same names I know. These are states that have very high taxes, very high debt, and very high cost to do business. And in many places like that, they, of course, add more regulations, which makes it even harder to do business. So more and more people are leaving those states. People are not stupid. They, they vote with their feet. Got it. And one of your quotes is you say get inside information from the president and you probably lose half your money and if you get it from the chairman of the board you will lose all of your money 
That being said, where are some good places for individuals to look for revealing information about a company if they're looking to invest? Well, most people, uh, not most people, everybody should really only invest in what they themselves know a lot about. Everybody listening to this has some things that they're passionate about. And every day they read about sports or cars or fashion or whatever it is. They go to the Internet and they turn on the fashion pages. They subscribe to magazines that are fashion mag. Whatever they are, everybody has a passion. And they already know a whole lot more about that than I will ever know. Uh, I don't know much about fashion or cars and probably never will. But the people who know a lot about it already, first of all, are way ahead of Wall Street or me. And when you see something changing in fashion that you know, that you know is going to be successful because it's your passion and you look at it all the time, then do do more research and you'll probably buy the stock and you'll probably make a whole lot of money because this is what you care about and know about. If I told you, Ryan, you can only have 20 investments in your life, you would be extremely careful. You wouldn't be jumping in and out, jumping up and down about things you see on the Internet all the time. You'd be careful, reasonable, and you'd make a lot of money. Now, people don't want to hear it. They want a hot tip. Ryan, hot tips will send you to the poorhouse. So please ignore hot tips and stay with what you know. Thank you for that advice, Jim. And what are you passionate about? And how have your interests also changed in the past 20 years as far as what you're interested in investing in? Well, I am most passionate now about my children. I never had children. I never wanted children. I was very much against children. Uh, Children, in my view, took a lot of time, energy, money. They were a pain. I had no interest in having a child. In fact, I, I felt sorry for my friends who have children. I was totally wrong. You know, I had a child finally when I was 60, when I had my first child, and I realized, oh my gosh, I was wrong. Now, Ryan, it probably would not have been good for me to have a child when I was 20. It wouldn't have been good for me or the mother or the child or anybody. But, but by the time I was older, I was ready, whether I knew it or not. And that's my passion now. I've got these two kids. And I, there's nothing I'd really rather do than with anybody except my children. That's awesome. And you wrote that wonderful book, A Gift to My Children, which I've read a bunch of times. And you really do offer a, a lot of helpful advice. Being that the world, again, appears to be rapidly changing. We're at a point right now where it's kind of so strange, especially in the U.S., where they're paying people money to stay home, where people have an incentive not to go to work or at least in the state of North Carolina, they want to give people $1,500 bonuses for returning to work. It just seems so twisted. What do you think is going to be the short and long-term effect on the mentality of the people of the United States? And do you think that that will make the U.S. less competitive, at least against China and some of these other first world nations? Well, it already is. America is not nearly as competitive as it was 50 years ago. I mean, you just look at the numbers. That's not a, it's not some judge, not opinion. That's an easy judge, uh, judgment from the facts. You know, America is now the largest debtor nation in world history. Ryan, no country in world history has ever been as deep in debt as the U.S. 
And that's because we kept borrowing staggering amounts of money uh, for whatever reason. And it, we've got huge debts now. So we're certainly not as competitive and cannot be as competitive as we as we are, as we were once upon a time. And it's going to continue to get worse. Ryan, it's a very good time to be old, to be an old American, because <laughs> old people are getting advantages of all this crazy money spending. Young people, my children, your, your child, are going to inherit huge problems. A hundred years ago, Great Britain was the richest, most powerful country in the world. There was no number two. But within 50 years or 50 years later, the UK went bankrupt. I mean, went from the number one country to total bankruptcy. The IMF had to fly into London airport and bail them out. So, I mean, it can happen. It has happened often in history. And this is, we are not leaving a good heritage for young people. And, and you talked about some of the reasons. Well, it's great if, some, if you get somebody a lot of money to stay home. And a lot of people, apparently, from what I read, are doing it because they can make more money staying home. They can working. Well, that's not a good way to compete as a nation, Ryan. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I can't figure out why people want to, wouldn't want to experience their, their passions and, and live and grow. And you brought up something a little bit before about the debt, how the U.S. has become one of the, the used to be one, be the greatest creditor nation, now it's the biggest debtor nation. And I remember listening to some of your recent and older interviews about how this will end very badly. And we've talked a lot on our show about the coming economic collapse, the the cancer, the hyperinflation coming because the dollar crashes. And going and doing some research on this, a lot of research, I've listened to Peter Schiff, I've listened to Robert Kiyosaki, I've listened to Gerald Salente, and then I've listened to a gentleman, Martin Armstrong, and I'm curious to know what your perspective is on his view, because he says that there are a lot of nations that will print money excessively, and the reason why their currency ultimately fails and collapses is because of a lack of faith in the government. Do you believe that to be true, or do you believe that a currency is going to collapse just because of reckless monetary policy alone? Well, he says they fail. They fail. They don't collapse because of what? He says, of they, he says they fail. He says when a current when a nation's currency goes into hyperinflation, he goes it's not so much because they're printing excessive amounts of dollars. He goes it's because people have a lack of faith in the government. He was saying that what happened in Weimar Germany was that people lost total faith in the government there because the government was con was was confiscating all the assets. And I'm just curious if you see it that way, or if, do you think that a currency collapse is something that is just inevitable based on reckless monetary policy, regardless of whether or not people have faith in the government? Well, it goes hand in hand, right? <clears throat> people see a lot of money printing and a lot of debt and problems rising. You know, they're not that stupid. Everybody can see, hey, there's a huge problem developing, and then they start losing faith in the government. They start losing faith in the politicians. They start losing faith in the money. All of this goes hand in hand. People see what the actions are, and they know the consequences, or they learn the consequences. They learn them by reading about history, or they look out the window and see what's going on, like in Zimbabwe now, or Venezuela, or other countries that are going through this. You've traveled all throughout the world, and if you look at the way the U.S. is, what trajectory would you say the U.S. is going on? And are there other countries that are on the same path 
of the U.S. as far as economic and social trends? Well, the U.S. is the largest debtor nation in the history of the world, and it's getting worse and worse. And throughout history, every country that's gotten into this kind of situation has had a crisis or a semi-crisis and decline. I don't like saying it. I'm an American, just like you. But I, I have to face facts. Uh, there's no other. The Japanese are having this problem now. They may be just as bad, if not worse. They have no babies. They've had a declining population for 10 years, 11 years now, and the debt skyrocketing. At least we don't have a declining population because of immigration. Even if it's illegal immigration, at least we don't have this that problem yet. We have a our demographic. We're not having the babies, but we we still don't have a declining population. And Japan does with rising debt. Now, there are other countries that have, have been spectacular for a few years that are running into problems. Italy, France, uh, Britain. I mean, there are lots of countries that are playing this game, but the, the results are always the same. You can borrow money. You can tell people lies. You can do whatever you want to. But eventually it fails. No world country currency has been number one for more than 100, 150 years throughout history. They've all eventually been replaced. The dollar's been on top for several decades now. Uh, you know, I can see what's happening. I can see that it's going to come to an end. And the U.S. dollar, unfortunately, is going to lose its status, whether it's this decade or next decade. It's, it's in the process of happening. Ryan, a lot of people are already looking for a replacement for the dollar for political reasons. You know, the way it's supposed to work, if you're the world's medium of exchange, you're, it's supposed to be a neutral currency so that you, anybody can use it to buy and sell. Unfortunately, now, if Washington gets angry at you, they put sanctions on you and say you cannot use the dollar. It's crazy. Well, that's not... That's not the way a, a, a medium exchange is supposed to work. And so many countries are starting to say, we have to find something else. So for political reasons and economic reasons, as I said, we're the largest debtor nation in world history. People are looking for replacements already. Speaking of replacements, there's been a lot of, I guess, chatter about the idea of, okay, well, you know, well people will just go to cryptocurrencies and they'll go to Bitcoin. And you said in an, in an interview with a publication called Real Vision, I guess it was some time ago, that you'd wish you'd bought Bitcoin years ago. And one of your quotes is that if you say, if Bitcoin ever becomes a viable currency instead of a trading vehicle, they can outlaw it because governments don't want to lose control. A gentleman named Jeff Berwick, who's known as the dollar vigilante, has been saying for a long time that alternative privacy-based cryptocurrencies such as Moreno and Pirate he says they're going to take off because unlike Bitcoin, the user transactions are never a matter of public record. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts about this and the future of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies? Do you think that they will be viable uh, places in the market? Well, uh, as I said before, throughout history, governments have not wanted to lose their monopoly. They have not wanted to lose control. I would certainly love for all of us to be able to use what we want as as currency, that would be wonderful. We would all have more pride, <laughs> more pride, <coughs> excuse me, more freedom, more everything. Unfortunately, governments don't like that. Governments want to have their control, and if something does work, 
in my view, they will make they will outlaw whatever it is that is infringing on their monopoly and their control. That's what history says. Now, maybe they're all right. Maybe that the governments will be overpowered. Uh, the problem, Ryan, is the governments have the guns. And if the governments make it illegal, most people, I anyway, most people will not try to break the law. You know, the, it used to be we could use anything we wanted. Uh, at one point, the Bank of England, which was the most powerful bank in the world then, said from now on, it's an act of treason to use anything for money except our money. Well, Ryan, treason means they execute you. Yeah. So not, not many people wanted to <laughs> go against the Bank of England. And I just suspect, I mean, I don't know, but I'm sure that America is not going to sit around and say, okay, all money, and, and all countries are working to put money on the computer, so that's coming. But I cannot imagine the U.S. is going to say, okay, now the U.S. dollar is on the computer. But if you want to use something else, oh, you can. Use whatever you want. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the way that Washington, D.C. has usually worked. The Chinese have already outlawed it. The Indians, other countries are working towards outlawing it. You know, I would hope I'm wrong. But unfortunately, history shows governments don't like losing control. I wonder if that's why... Some people are really passionate about gold and silver. I know Peter Schiff and Gerald Salente are both really passionate about getting physical gold and physical silver. If you were to think about, would those be your, your two best bets as far as hedges against inflation, against reckless monetary <coughs> policy? Or do you think people should be buying farmland? I mean, what do you think are maybe the, your best bets against Hedges well, against back to what we talked about yeah. before, what you know best. If you if you like being outside and getting dirty, buy best a good bet is to buy a farm and become a farmer. You're going to get very very rich. Uh, I'm not going to do that. First of all, I wouldn't be a good farmer. I'm sure I'd fail at it, and I, I don't have any interest. But that's one way to uh, to do it, uh, or to buy agriculture, buy products, buy copper, buy cotton. You know, if we're going to have inflation and currency collapse, real assets have always gone up against the, the paper money and the currencies that are in decline. So that's another way to do it. You can certainly buy real assets, as I say, commodities, uh, gold and silver. I certainly own gold and silver. Historically, gold and silver have done well when people lose confidence in governments and in paper money. Like always, they've done well when people lose confidence in money and in government. So, but it would depend on what you know. If you don't know what gold and silver is, Ryan, please, please don't go buying gold and silver. Okay. Oh, you know, keep keep your you keep your vegetable farm. <laughs> that's really great. You know, I want to just come back to something on <clears throat> spoken about before about China. One of your quotes, previous quotes, is that you say that I cannot invest the way I want the world to be. I have to invest in the way the world is. And when I hear this quote of yours, I think about a story that Robert Kiyosaki tells about how he had an established silver mine in China and it was promptly taken over by the government. And you've been quite vocal about China being the next financial capital of the world. That being said, do you think that investors need to be well-versed in China's style of governance, you know, compliance, even some capitulation, in order to keep their shirts on their backs that they want to engage in China? If you invest in anything and anywhere, you have to do your research. 
150 years ago, America was going to be the great country of the 20th century. But you cannot believe how many people we cheated and fleeced, Ryan. Lots of investors invested in America and lost everything because we had some smart guys who weren't dumb, who weren't so honest. Uh, there were many, many financial people in Europe who lost their shirts and were afraid to invest in America because America was a wild frontier with very little rule of law. Uh, I mean, we said we had rule of law, but of course, everybody says that. So yes, apparently they're going to be, and there are problems in China. You're going to see companies go bankrupt in China, uh, despite what you may think, or despite the fact that I will tell you, China is on the way to being a very successful country. It has been, it will be, but there are crooks everywhere, Ryan. Um, and one has part of the part of the process. You have to do your homework and your research. And if you see that there's going to be a period when China is going to rob a lot of people, get out. I don't see that right now. I have investments in China, but I certainly know that the Chinese, the Americans, the Germans, everybody is capable of sticking it to the foreigners. They always have been and they probably always would be. Just do your homework. On it. Thank you, Jim. And we just have that time for two more questions. And one of them is, how have you changed and grown in the past 30 years? And you talked about your children having a substantial impact on you, really opening your eyes and changing things. But if you look about how you invest, if you think about how you gauge the market, has anything fundamentally changed um, from your viewpoint? <coughs> Well, in those 30 years, I went around the world twice, <coughs> and I had two children. So, yeah, I, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about the world, and I've learned about, a lot about life. Um, I think more about my children now when I think about investments. Uh, I do lay aside things for them that I never would have thought about, you know, 30 years. For instance, I, I bought wines and I in the years of my children's birth and I put them aside when my daughters are 25 or 30 they're going to be they're going to have a lot of money in their wine cellar I hope they actually I hope they don't drink then I'll get to drink it but if they do drink <laughs> they're have good weddings good everything uh, and I know that that's well, something could go wrong but that probably will be a, a good investment for them which I never ever would have done before I've always liked good wine Etc. But I never sort of sat down and did things like that. I also buy things now, such as maybe gold or silver coins, with the eye of doing it for my children, not so much as for me, but for my children. So I think more in terms of my children now in investing than I did before. But the trips around the world certainly taught me a lot more about the world. They have to. It, it led to my investments in other nations that I probably might not have done before. China, for instance. I see what's happening in Korea. I don't have any investments in North Korea, but I hope to. Eventually, I know once, once it's legal, it's going to be a very exciting place. No, if you see the world from the ground up, Ryan, you probably will learn a lot. If you don't, then stay home. And Gerald's, I Gerald Salente says that we're going to have a big boom coming up because people are just going to be excited to get out. And I think it's awesome. I'd love to see the world come back. 
Last well, question. I know, I know that's a theory, uh, and it may happen, but you remember, we're having a big boom. Um, we may have a bubble. Some assets are turning into bubbles now. But, I mean, I'm, I, I, the bond market around the world is a bubble. It's a clear bubble. Bonds have never been this expensive in the history of the world, so that's a bubble. But uh, And other bubbles are developing, but... No, no wow bubbles yet other than bonds, but they may be developing. So be careful. And the last question I have for you is, is, is there any particular <coughs> book, aside from the books that you've written, is there any particular book that you recommend to people that they read and read over again because you believe that it can actually have a powerful impact on their overall thought process? and how to think critically or how to improve their outlook on life. Well, yes, I can think of a couple of investment books, but but Ryan, if people don't care about investment, so they don't think they're going to be passionate about it, they shouldn't bother if they should if their passions are fashion, read the read about Coco Chanel. Don't read about uh, Graham and Dot, you know, it depends on what your own interests are. If I tell I know this from my own children. If I insist that they do something or read something that they're not interested in, it has very little effect. But if they find something that they love, they're going to pursue it whether I want them to or not. So, yeah, as I say, if you love fashion and I tell you to read Graham and Dodd, you're not going to have anything at all. You're going to hate it. So go read the Coco Chanel book. Read what you're interested in. But read. The more you read, the more you'll know about what's going on in the world, and probably the more successful you will be. Thank you so much. My mom said the same thing. Mr. Jim Rogers, I want to thank you so much. You can learn more about Jim by going to his website at jimrogers.com. And again, go on TV, watch him. Jim, you do a lot of wonderful interviews, and thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure, Ron. I hope we do it again sometime. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.